The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. For the woman that came out yesterday with Michael Dalton, uh, it did involve her quarterback and Our league took care of it. It has nothing to do with us. You know, we try to keep outside noise to a minimum, and there's nothing to be said on that front because I don't know. I really don't know anything about it. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that. I'm just trying to have a good training camp here. Did you have any idea the Dolphins were tampering with your starting quarterback that season? Yeah, focused on training camp here. That's all in the past. Todd Bowles of the Buccaneers, Bill Belichick of the Patriots, talking about the Dolphins tampering situation, which somebody suggested to me yesterday, and there's some merit to this. We said that the Stephen Ross penalties were a great way to turn the page on Deshaun Watson, but then the Watson appeal is a great way to turn the page on the Stephen Ross penalty. So there's one day where it's relevant, and now we've forgotten about the Dolphins and we're back to Deshaun Watson. But we can't completely forget about it because yesterday Bill Belichick and Todd Bowles addressed it, as did Tua. We'll hear from Tua momentarily. Look, I don't expect Todd Bowles to say anything about it. You don't want to start down that path. You know why? They tampered with Tom Brady in 2020. Yeah. You're not going to cast aspersions at the Dolphins. How dare the Dolphins have tampered with Tom Brady? Oh, well, we did the same thing when he was with the Patriots. But how dare they have done it? I mean, you, anything they say about it is just going to make things awkward yeah. and ugly. And the only strategy at this point for, for the Buccaneers is to just say, we're moving forward. Yeah, he's on the team. We're moving. A hundred percent. It does them no good to address the situation. Just for their football team itself. I mean, that's where Todd Bowles has got to like try to act like, hey, it doesn't matter. We're going to move forward. You know, as we talked about. You know, I do think you're going to have guys in the locker room a little bit like, oh, wait, I don't know if he really wanted to play for us. I do think if it becomes a bigger issue and you add, you know, fuel to the fire too, the fan base might get a little bit more riled up too with Tom Brady and be like, what? He lied to us, us us Buccaneer fans, and he doesn't really want to be here. He's only here because, you know, he had no other options, and now he's back. So uh, they, they don't want any of that to be a part of this discussion. They want to make sure it was like Brady loves it here and we're awesome and we're all working for the same goal, which they are. I understand that. But I do think that, you know, that it can be perceived the other way if it it's, hangs around the news in Tampa too long. I was on with Rich Eisen yesterday from the actual landline in my hotel Whoa. room. The first time I think. A landline in a hotel room has been used in years, and I actually had to make the long-distance call. I have a feeling that call is going to cost like $150, but uh, I got an issue with my cell phone. I think we already talked about that. But anyway, he raised the question, and look, there's a Michigan connection there to Tom Brady. He thinks that Brady shouldn't be criticized for this because what did he do wrong here? You're just... You're just taking the phone calls. And I understand that because everybody does it to some extent, but this was so blatant and so extensive. 2019, 2020, 
2021, 2022 with two different teams and constantly talking to Bruce Beal. We'd been trying to tell folks about Bruce Beal for the last two years. Yeah. Bruce Beal and Tom Brady, thick as thieves. Yep. And part of the problem was Beal was too indiscreet. Beal's telling all his buddies in New York, all the rich guys on, on, their, you know, on their speedboats or their yachts or whatever the toys they have, bragging about this and bragging about that. And Beal's bragging about how he's going to get Tom Brady in Miami. Yeah. And um, I, I just think there's a point where it's too much. It's one thing to take a phone call There's not always per- and politely yeah. decline. Yeah. Thank you for your interest. Yeah, it's nice talking to you. Right. Maybe one of these days, maybe someday down the road, we'll find a way. But when it is persistent and pervasive and constant and constant and never-ending and going through multiple teams during a season for crying out loud, there, there's a point where it's a bad look. Well, and because, I think he crossed that line where it's a bad look. It crossed a lot because, well, you know, first off, Rich is definitely biased there. He's never said a bad thing about Brady. Brady could throw 75 interceptions in a game to be like, he played great. Uh, so that you, you can't always, yes, he's a Michigan guy. Then with, like, with, with Brady himself, too, like, this is, the, this is where I think it's, he definitely has, you know, I know he's not going to get blamed, and I'm not saying he should or face any penalty, but I have a hard time believing that in some of these cases, his camp didn't make the call that, hey, Tom would be interested in going down there. I mean, people are crazy to think that. They're crazy to think that that, that didn't go down, especially when he left New England the first time. They, they were evaluating rosters and looking at rosters. It wasn't, you know, you pick Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady picks you, and then he's going to tell you what two or three teams are finally into this. So that's where I think people are like, it wasn't like these teams were like banging down the door. Yes, they want Tom Brady, but I think Tom Brady and Don Yee reached out to some of these teams as well to go, you know, we're interested in you if you guys want to, you know, talk a little bit. Like and the figure 49ers. Out. Duh. In 2020. The Bucks, the same thing, I think, in a lot of ways. I think he was, from the things I know, I mean, yes, he was looking at it just like, you know, we've seen other quarterbacks and looking at the roster going, hmm, that's one of the places I got my eye on. And I think he let out the bat signal to go, hey, you guys are in the mix here. And then they reached out and tampered and all that, too. And I think that's some of that's gone down as well. It's not the best look for him. You're right. Here, here, here's the balance. Yeah. And this is where I think it becomes problematic for Tom. Tom wants to be about team. Tom is ultimately about Tom. And that's okay. Yeah. But don't act like you're all about team when you're all about Tom. He's all about Tom getting on the right team that can get Tom what he wants, which is his next Super Bowl ring. Right. That's his favorite Super Bowl ring. No doubt. The next one. Right. So that's, where do I go? Yes. Where do I go? Right. I, I got, you know, Patriots, the window is closing. We're, we're, they where couldn't I, build a super team around right. him anymore. Where do I go? So he had to go to the place that had the team. That, that's where, yes, that's where, that's where it didn't match up. Tom and New England wanted to make it like, I need more receivers. I need more weapons. You guys got to give me. And they were like, wait, we can't do all of this quite yet. And, you know, we don't know how long you're going to go and all of these other issues. And, you know, that's why, again, you know, yes, he's been great the last two years, but on that New England team, I, we can sit back and go back and watch that year. I mean, they didn't like – he wasn't remarkable that year. He was just good. He was good. They didn't win one of those games because, man, Tom Brady was amazing in the fourth quarter and brought them back and did stuff like that. Go back and pay attention to that year. It was that way. He is in more need of the support system around him right now than the other way around in a lot of cases. And I know people don't want to believe that or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, there's a reason he picked and Sean Payton had their eyes on the Dolphins. The Dolphins are just like the Bucks were a few years ago, where you start to look at their team and go, damn, this is almost an all-star team what they got working here. So that's where I think people are a little wrong to think that it was total pursuit of Brady. It was Brady letting out the bat signal, too, to these teams to go, I'll listen to you, call me up, or, you know, I like you, let's have a conversation and see what go- where it goes from there. And he's got every right to be that way. No doubt. Just don't act like you're all about team. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't act right. like you're anything other than a mercenary. Right. Because he's a mercenary, yeah. and that's Right fine. now he is, totally. Brett Favre was a mercenary in 2009, right. and he almost got to the Super Bowl, uh, but for the fact that Brad Childress put 12 guys in the huddle coming out of a timeout. And, and, You're not bitter or anything, not bitter are you? not that at all. I, <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, none of the memories come back to me in moments of PTSD or anything. And then Favre throws the ball across his body to Tracy Porter, and that was that. So, but, but it's okay. Don't act like it's team, 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 rah, rah, rah. It's Tom, all about Tom, trying to find the best place where Tom can get number eight and then number nine and yeah. then number ten right. and then this and then that and – that's, that's part of it, too. Okay, so the guy who is the quarterback 
in Miami because they didn't get Tom and they didn't get Deshaun Watson and they didn't get Joe Burrow and they didn't get any other guy they wanted. They have Tua. Here's Tua talking about whether he heard about the news of the Dolphins tampering with Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I would say everyone heard about it uh, yesterday when we went into the locker room, seen it on the TV. Um, for me, I, I have no idea about all the details other than what was shown on, on uh, TV uh, with the $1.5 million fine um, and then something happening with Brady. I, I mean, I don't know all the details. I don't even know what, what happened. Um, but, I mean, I, I got to talk to a couple of the guys, you know, to – kind of fi- find out what was going on and everyone's wondering the same thing so I'm not too sure but no discussions with you know I guess whether it's Chris Weir, Mike McDaniel, even Stephen Ross about your standing with the team like what do you mean my standing with the team I mean the fact that they spoke with Tom Brady on multiple occasions which included was that in 2019 2019 that was in 2021 okay I can't I I remember I came in 2020, so whatever happened in 2019, I don't even, I can't even speak on that. So I was here 2020, and I'm still here, and I'm blessed to be here. You know, if it has to do with support from the team, I think the team's all in with with me and all the guys that we have now. Somebody needs to tell Tua, too, if you're watching. They were talking to him last year and this year about taking your job now. <laughs> this wasn't 2019. It was, but it wasn't just 2019. They wanted him to be the quarterback now. Your plan B, or actually plan C behind Deshaun Watson. And see, if I'm Tua, what I say yesterday is, guys, this is nothing compared to having Deshaun Watson hanging over my head that would have been for a, half of the season. That would have been a good way to defuse it. You're right. They've been trying to get rid of me yeah. for a year. So what? What's new? You know, I, I, I think you're right. You know, I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing him take that. You know, hey, I said last year when we were hearing about the very real impact this talk was having on him, very emotional impact Mm -hmm. on Tua Tonga Vailoa, he was elected a captain, I heard, and said, I don't want it because this team doesn't believe in me. And I remember saying, Tua, you should deal with this the way Tom Brady would. Tom Brady would internalize it, he would get pissed off, and he would say, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to play so well that you're not going to want Deshaun Watson or anyone else. So they wanted Tom Brady. <laughs> they, after the season, we don't want Deshaun anymore, but we do want Tom Brady. And uh, it's, just, it's just odd that he either doesn't know or or won't allow He's trying himself not to, know right to process now. and right. acknowledge. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it doesn't do him any good right now. I mean, you know, he's a guy that's he's still trying to find his footing in the NFL, and it, it does him no good to, oh, man, they didn't want – maybe they didn't want me. Maybe they wanted Brady. I mean, first off, don't, don't, don't be too hurt by it, Tua. There's a lot of people that would want Tom Brady. I mean, so that, that, that's, it's not necessarily always personal to you that way. It is Tom Brady. He's a different stratosphere. He's the GOAT, all of that. So a lot of teams are going to want him in town for – yeah, his play and and the business aspect of it, but hey, you know they they are all in on what they got now, and that's what all he should worry about. You know, we got Mike McDaniel here, we got Tyree Kill, and a bunch of other good players. The teams are set. I'm the quarterback, and it's time to you know ball out and show us all and pr- prove everybody wrong. And and I hope he does do that. I, I really do. I like two of the person. I know. I mean, I, I find him you know charming there in a lot of ways. I know he's a very nice person. I do. And, and I'm rooting for him. It's been a tough road, and it hasn't been all his fault either that he's had you know, some of these obstacles in front of him. But he's got to play better, and he's got to instill that confidence in the coaching staff if he wants to stay. It's one of the biggest challenges of what we do, and trust me, I'm not complaining about what we do because I love what we do. But if you dare say anything remotely critical about any player from any team, that nucleus of very loyal and passionate yeah. and zealous fans will circle the wagons – and start firing shots at those who would dare to suggest that there may be some deficiencies in the players on their favorite team. And we've interviewed Tua. We like Tua. We're rooting for Tua. But we can't be dishonest with ourselves or anyone else when we say he's got a long way to go. Yeah, we're not sold. To be the guy that the Dolphins want, as evidenced by the fact that the Dolphins keep trying to find somebody else. Right. I, nothing says it more. I, I, that's that's where you know you 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 want to shout back at two and on and some of that fan base. Could times. you imagine so. if in the heyday of Brady's career in New England, we were constantly hearing about all the other quarterbacks that 
Bob Kraft was trying to bring to New England. Right. Could you imagine that? I, I can't imagine it. No, you're, you're right. I mean, that's where, you know, first off, Be- Belichick would never let that happen because it would be distraction to the team. So he, he would do a great job there. But that's also, you know, the importance of an NFL quarterback. And I, I know it's not always easy or whatever, but, you know, to get off to that good start of your career there, it, it just lays down the, the, the train tracks for the organization and the league to believe in you. And then nobody messes with you. But with Tua, hey, like you said, there's been moments of, oh, okay, hey, I think he's turning around. Here we go. It looks good. And then we have a game or two where we go, oh, man, he, you know, he looks small. He didn't make any good throws, and he had some bad turnovers. So it's been a little all over the map, but hopefully they got the right formula there for him to succeed this year. The most accurate thing that Tyreek Hill has said on any of the various episodes of his podcast, it needed to be said, was when he had a moment where he acknowledged in today's NFL, as a first-round quarterback, you've got three years to show them what you can do. Pretty much. And this is it. Right. And if he doesn't do it this year, they're basically done with him. Yeah. And and that's why I think Tyreek is trying to prop him up. But Tyreek also realizes, hey, I can only do so much. Right. At some point, he's got to go do it. And if he doesn't, Maybe I'll have Tom Brady next year. Yeah, I know. And that's why that's where losing that first round pick for next year, in case Tua doesn't play well, was a big blow to that organization. The fact that they had that little, you know, not little, big asset to play with to get involved in the quarterback market next year. So we'll see where it goes. I know, you know, I'm excited to see what they got as far as Mike McDaniel and the talent on the team on both sides of the football. It's a tough division. And yeah, they got to learn to kind of, you know, win some of those tight games to get over the hump to get into the playoffs. But, I mean, it seemed like everything was going in the right direction last year when they, they fired Brian Flores. A lot of the players are still there, if not even more players to add to it. Uh, but we'll see if that adds to extra wins in a playoff appearance. Patriots at Ravens, Bills mm. at Bengals. Yeah, to not easy. Season. Not and that's easy. a Thursday night game week four. So by the end of September, we're gonna have a good the feel. Dolphins will have played four games and we'll know whether or not the Tua thing is working yeah. in 2022 and whether or not without that first-round pick next year, that actually makes Brady, I think, still viable. And I'm telling you, I was because our first reaction to the whole tampering thing, well, they're all going to be scared straight now. There's not going to be any more tampering, and Brady's never going to play for the Dolphins. Time's going to pass, and people are going to forget about yeah, it. No yeah, the question. commissioner's going to read everybody the riot act next week. More about tanking, I think, than tampering, because they know they can't police it. They can't enforce it. They can't stop the tampering right. from happening. Now, to this level, to this extreme, with ownership directly involved, that's the kind of thing they'd probably not have occur. But it's all about being discreet. It's about being careful. It's about using the right cellular devices in making your communications and not creating a paper trail and not talking and talking and talking about it. So I, I think that Brady to Miami next year is still, still in play. A thing. I think it's still in mm-hmm. play. It might be. I, I'm not, I'm not going to count it out for sure. I really think this is going to be Brady's last year. I, I, I do think that at, at, the, at the, you know, the top of the list there. But if he does play one more year... You know, yeah, I look at Miami to be that team to, yeah, be at the top of the list for sure, especially when we know they're they might be moving down there as a family. When you got thirty seven and a half million per year coming from Fox over ten years, it's going to take a lot to get you to go beyond your long standing assessment that you're going to play until you're forty five. Yeah, it's going to take a lot. Yeah, you're right. It's going to take more than thirty seven and a half million. Yeah, I would think so. You're right. I mean, if you can take thirty seven and a half million to not be subject to any physical risk and have to deal with the stress and strain, and you're all in all year long, if, if, if you're getting $37.5 million to, to live that life, yeah. what's it going to take? 50 I, I, to yeah. get you to play? I, I don't know. Well, I don't know with him. I don't know. This is, that's, what, that's what I love about Tom Brady, all right? I, I, I love that. About, he loves the game. I mean, there is just no doubt about it. He wants to play. I mean, what else is, like, like we've talked about before, what else does he have to prove? Well, I mean, he's done everything. He's the man. So I do respect his genuine love of the game and competing and the work and all of that. And I just, yeah, can he get himself not addicted to that drug anymore and move on with life is going to be a big question for him. One of the things he said late last year was he doesn't want to be in a position where he turns on games and he says, these guys suck. I can still do this. And now his job is going to yeah. be studying the film and watching what these guys do, right. seeing their bad decisions, seeing their bad throws and talking about them. And He's spoken not that long ago about how he's going to be as a broadcaster and he'll 
he'll criticize when he needs to, and he'll give out praise when it's warranted, which he may have a high bar yeah. for when he's willing right. to actually praise someone. But we may get to experience in real time his torment. Depending upon the filter that he's able to construct between his brain and his mouth, right. we may get to witness him basically going through the son of a – I should have kept playing. I can't believe I'm watching this. I can't believe he made that throw. I could make that throw in my sleep. I mean, at what, you know, at what point does I he know. just – I can't take it anymore and it just blurts well, out. Well, I, I wouldn't – you know, I, I hope he can find the way. We've seen him be very open for sure. And then, you know, again, I thought like the, the, uh, the golf match he had, you know, with Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes – I think, again, just shows an inkling of the guy is funny and engaging. He is. And he's not afraid to say some things that might get everybody like, whoa, did he just say that? I mean, the way he was going at Josh Allen and, you know, I hit that one a little chunky. I hit that one a little Josh Allen-y, right? I mean, he, he's, he has a way and a charm about him. And I think he can find the right way to criticize and say the right things. Uh, and I'm sure he'll have some frustrated moments. But hopefully with him, when he's done, he's done. And he knows he's done. And that's it. And he can live in peace because, man, he's the man. And he's had I mean, some he doesn't, career. doesn't retire for 40 days and then come back. Yes, right. right Once right. he exhausts all other options right. for all other teams. Oh, well, well, the best part of last year was when he retired. It was, what, like day 10? And he's like, you know, and I have been with my family. And it's great. But um, he like made some comment like, I'm already worn out. I'm looking to go play some football again. On the Monday <laughs> night after he retired. Right on his Let's Go podcast with Jim Gray. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. You never say never. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That's when he first lit that fuse, and I think that's when he realized. Look, let's go back and just reconstruct for a second. Yeah. When he retired on Tuesday, February one, he knew what the plan was. Mm -hmm. Next week, I become a minority owner of the Dolphins. Sean Payton becomes the head coach after that, and then I eventually. Then a month later, I say I'm going to play quarterback. Right, right. So that gets short circuited. Yeah. With the Brian Flores. Can you imagine some of the conversations when Brian Flores files his lawsuit on the day that Tom Brady retires? Not only does it wipe the Tom Brady retirement off the news stack, but it also has to spark a... I, I, can, I mean, we've, there's been a lot of talk in the... I don't know if you've heard. There's been a lot of talk in the news lately about contents of cell phones. But can you imagine the contents of the cell phones of Sean Payton, Tom Brady, Don Yee, Stephen Ross, Bruce Beal? Sure. From that day yeah. when it all blew up, and they've got a plan in place. Folks, it was in place. It was done. It was ready to go. This wasn't just idle chatter. I think that's one of the reasons why they didn't compensate any of the victims of the tampering. The Saints were in on it. It was done. It was happening. It was just a matter of that first domino getting flicked, and Brian Flores grabbed it. Can you imagine what transpired that week? Because then it was that Monday night where he says, hey, you never say never. Right. Yeah, because my path to Miami yeah, got changed. Right, right. So what am I going to do? Right. I, was, I was never retiring. Yeah. I didn't intend to retire. I retired from the Buccaneers, just like Sean Payton retired from the Saints. Yeah, I know. That's, that's the fascinating thing. You're, you're, you're exactly right. And, uh, and uh, the, the, the Sean Payton angle is even actually more fascinating with that because, you know, here he is at a football. And I don't think, you know, with all we've seen, I don't think he really wanted to be at a football this year. <laughs> I, I think that he – I don't know this and probably never will, but the circumstantial evidence suggests that he knew he was going to Miami. Yeah when he left the Saints. Right. And if Miami hadn't been there, he probably would have stayed with the Saints. Yeah. Because it's not like I, the Saints had fallen so. apart. Not at all. Right. If anything, last year was one of those seasons where you could say, man, we had some bad luck and the COVID stuff, and we almost made the playoffs we anyway. Without, the first year without Drew Brees. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Let, let, let me show yeah. that I can get a team in the playoffs without Drew Brees. Right. Just like Bill Belichick trying to do it without Tom Brady, sure. why wouldn't Sean Payton want to prove? And I think he could believe that – I'm bringing all my guys back. Dennis yeah. Allen didn't get any sniffs anywhere else. I can come back. I can do my thing. I think he would have still been there I'm if with this you. all hadn't fallen yeah. apart by the Brian Flores lawsuit. All right, let's take a break. Raiders are playing tonight. We're going to do an AFC West grab bag on this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
There's Devontae Adams. Clown car time. All those guys crammed into an Uber. Adams says Hunter Renfro is no longer in charge of Ubers, y'all. Look at that. Look at Hunter in the front. Too. He's all serious because they're all getting on him. I, I wonder I wonder if Hunter Renfro did the Rodney Harrison move, which consists of pushing the seat all the way back. No, his knees. Look where his knees yeah. are. They're in his well, chest. But just wait. Just wait. If you're in the back seat behind Rodney Harrison, pro tip, watch your legs because Rodney's coming back all the way back. Oh. I've been there and I've done that. So. Uh, anyway. How do you do that, Hunter Renfro? I mean, come on. You just got a new contract. I mean, what, what, how much money they got in that car? I mean, how much money they got in that car and they're cramming in that small Uber? Come on. I expect better out of you guys. All right. Here we go. Buy or sell time. Let's start with the Raiders. The Derek Carr-Devontae Adams connection will pick up right where it left off nearly a decade ago at Fresno State. I'm going to buy this one. You know, it's rare to say that with a new, you know, quarterback receiver combination. But I think first off, you got two guys who are like just immersed in their craft. I mean, Devontae Adam, Adams, the ultimate route runner, like we talked about with Derek Carr a little yesterday and even today, the ultimate field general. I mean, withstood the, you know, Gruden, we're not sure if we want this guy. We're always looking to see and improve our team. And we're always looking to replace our quarterback. He withstood all of that. He's got talent. And then I think when you add on McDaniels to now bring the connection together, you know, I don't know if this means 145 receptions or anything like that because Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller are there, which Green Bay didn't have anybody to that extent. So the ball's going to be spread around a little bit more, but I do think it'll be right pretty much where it left off. Yeah, I agree with you on both counts. Yeah. They will pick up where they left off, but he's no longer yes, the only the guy. Yes, the only guy, right. And you're going to have Darren Waller get his touches. You're going to have Hunter Renfro have his involvement yep. in the offense, and it's going to reduce Adam's impact, but but it's also going to make it easier for those guys because you have to account for Devontae. No Adams. doubt about so it. You're all right. of a sudden, it's easier for Darren Waller to right. go open. It's easier for... Right. I mean, Hunter Renfro could have a tremendous year in that offense. He becomes the Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, in a version of the Patriots offense (laughs) that has Gronk at his peak (laughs) and Randy Moss, not (laughs) at his peak, but 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 that kind of guy, that quality to take all that attention away. And then you've got, you've got all this room to operate underneath. And so, you get to the second, third read, and there's Renfro, and he's wide open. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's they. They got the weapons on offense. You know, can their can their offensive line, you know, be good and hold up that way? But I, I think you know, you said it right. Between those weapons, what we've seen from McDaniel's, you know, some backs out of the backfield that can catch the ball. That this offense, you know, it should be pretty damn good. There, there's no question about that. I'm excited to see you know how Carr and McDaniel's mesh together. When did you shave last? Well, it's been. Um, I think I shaved Monday, right? I think I shaved – or what day did we come here? Tuesday, That's, maybe. It's growing uh, faster lately. Yeah, so well, what? you're a man now. Well, I guess. I mean, but wouldn't that happen like three weeks ago all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't know when that you – know. maybe, maybe it's maybe it's product of detox. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe the detox is letting my hair we, grow we have, we have gotten some feedback. Somebody sent an email thinking that, that Chris has his vape pen. It's not a vape pen. Chris only Chris rolls up the detox. good stuff. He never does vape pens. Okay? And, and also, also while we're on the topic, someone else emailed yeah. complaining about the carpet at our new set. This is not our new set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All apologies to yeah. our host for this week, but yeah. this is not our carpet. This is not, this our, is carpet. not our set. This carpet is in our rooms, though. Actually, the carpet in our rooms is even darker, um, so it's not my favorite either. All right. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Let's is your bed an origami puzzle like mine is here? You know, you got one of these beds where... No, because I'm a normal-sized human being. Oh, I don't know. But they got one of these beds where there's like a comforter and then another comforter and like seven <laughs> sheets wrapped around it to make it like a thing. And every time I roll over, it all falls apart. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I had to get up out of bed last night and like put it together. And I'm like, I don't move when I sleep. Let me tell you something. Over the course of my life, right. I have heard many examples of first world problems. Yeah, that's the first that's one. That's <laughs> probably the biggest first world problem I've ever heard. Yeah. My seven layers of sheets and comforters and blankets are too complex. Well, just give me two damn <laughs> sheets or give me one. I just, you, I know, you know, they can be removed. I, I, I know, but I don't want to f- sleep there just bare on top of the bed. I no, I'm saying... You can do seven minus five. That gets to two. Right. See how I, that works? I get you. I get you. Yeah. I know. It's, right. it's, it's complicated. Though. All right. The Chiefs, scale of one to ten, this isn't complicated. Yeah. Confidence level in the Chiefs receivers without Tyreek Hill. Uh, I mean, oh, this is a scale one? This isn't scale a Scale of one shot. to ten. I, mine is like I'm up at a eight or nine here. I'm going to say nine. I got no issues. I'm not worried about the Chiefs at all. 
I'm really not. I think they got to. Who's the guy, though, that is going to command sure. extra attention and strike fear in the heart of the defensive coordinator, keep him awake at night wondering how we're going to stop this guy? Well, I don't know if it'll be that one guy, but Valdez Scantling is a low 4 3. 4-2 type of guy. To where Where's you, the production, though? I know. Well, you're going to have to at least account for it. And right. then you got a quarterback like Rodgers, or you're going to go, well, damn, they can throw a 70 in the air. So I think that, you know, a little bit, again, it's never great to lose your best receiver. I understand that. But I do think in a lot of ways you could have a little bit more by committee. Wait, we're not sure who they're going to go to here on third down. There's, they're, they're, you know, and they do have Kelsey involved in this as well, as much as we want to just make it a wide receiver thing. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about the Chiefs. The Chiefs are still the kings of the AFC, in my opinion. I am going to, if you ask me who's the best team in the AFC right now still, I'm still going with the Chiefs. No, over the Bills? I am. Oh, my God. I'm telling Josh. I know. I'm sorry, Josh. I like you a lot, but I am. Yep. Uh, And and one of the points you've been making, we are, I think, overlooking the potential impact of Brian Dayball out as offensive Mm -hmm. coordinator and Ken Dorsey. And even though Dorsey's been there and they've tried to work him in, that's still a major change for that offense. And there's a lot of pressure on that team. So I don't disagree with you, but I still say six. That's how confident I am because they don't have that one guy that's going to strike fear in the heart of the opposing defense. And I just want to see. I want to see what Marquez Valdez-Scantling does. I want to see how Juju Smith-Schuster looks in this new offense. I I want to see what Sky Moore does. Sure. Been some – Impressive highlights yeah. coming out of Chiefs hey, training I camp. I loved him coming out. So, I mean, he could be a guy that just explodes onto the scene. But they've and struggled. Nicole Hardman's there, too. They have struggled so much to find another guy beyond Tyree Kill. And Travis Kelsey, who we haven't mentioned. Yeah, that's Kelsey I mean. goes a long way well, toward opening just, up the I receiving said, court. I said that at yeah. the end. I was like, you can't yeah. forget him here. But, but you know, Sammy Watkins, and yeah. then Nicole Hardman. Yeah. This is the opportunity for them to really develop somebody who – who can do what Tyree Kill did? I, I, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you know, you, you love to have that guy that you know you could go to, but I do think the best offenses are the ones where you just go, well, we don't know for sure they're going to go there. Like you, know, you think about New England with Brady, you know, a few years ago, we know they loved Gronk and they wanted to go with Gronk, but they weren't like, oh, we're just going to force feed him all the time. It was still third and four. Okay, yeah, we got to worry about Gronk, but man, we got to worry about you know. Edelman, Chris Hogan, uh, and, and um, Amendola and all those guys, too, to where I do think there is something to that, to not knowing we got a lot of guys with similar skill sets, so you can't really like figure out what play is coming or, or some of our tendencies. I, I do think there is a little bit of a, a benefit to that. The other thing I don't want to lose sight of yeah. in Kansas City, the addition of Ronald Jones at running back. 100%. And the return of Jarek McKinnon because he was awesome. incredible in the postseason. Awesome. I'm with you there. And, and he has had potential for years. He had the knee issues. Uh, knocked him out for two seasons in yeah. San Francisco. When he was in Minnesota, he was great. He was. And Shanahan he's got the brought him there really thinking big things, no doubt. Yeah, I, oh, He was going to be the guy. He was going to be the guy. They gave him a big contract, and he was going to be the right, guy. Right, right. So, I, yeah, you're right. That And then hey, Orlando Brown back in camp. That's a, that's a positive. So, yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm not too worried about the, the, the Chiefs. We never talked about Orlando Brown coming back. Right. Because remember, when you're franchise tag, yeah. you don't have to show up until just before week one. You get your full guaranteed contract, $16.6 million, no fines, no anything. And we had made the point not that long ago of the three franchise tags that have been rescinded, two of them were done by Andy Reid. Right. And he put Jeremiah Trotter in a tough spot. He ended up getting a good contract with Washington, but he was never really the same. Yep. Corey Simon had his franchise tag rescinded in 2005 in September, and he was never – he went to the Colts, never Never really heard from again. again, right. And I just I, – I, I've been wondering, why would Orlando Brown give up that leverage? He's able to hold out until right before the start of the season, and, and I think that's got to be a factor. I would still think that scares Andy Reid has not hesitated to do it in the past. With And, and you can say, well, it's Orlando Brown. He wouldn't do it. He did it before with two franchise tag players. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I, I would, that would scare me if I was the player. And then I think, you know, added on to that where people go, well, maybe he'll just, you know, hold up. He won't. It doesn't really, you know, do the player that doesn't do him good if he wants big more money. Oh, wait, let me not practice and then let me get in the game and I'm not in shape and I don't look as good. And now the team is going to go, well, you didn't play as good last year. We don't want to pay you $23 million a year. And then the free agency goes, well, you didn't play very good. So that was one where still I still would have gotten paid. Still would have gotten paid. He still would have got paid, but maybe not the paid. maximum. In March, yes. he would have gotten paid. Right. The risk he's taking is if they remove that franchise tag, yeah. 
then he's out on the market now and nobody's got any money. Walter Jones was good enough to do it three straight years in Seattle. Mm. Just show up for week one, show up for week one, I know. show up for week one, but he's not Walter Jones. Well, he's not Walter Jones. No. I'm not ready to go there yet either. And, you know, this, this is a guy that's, um, you know, had some weight issues too, to where I, I wonder if that plays into it. I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad he's there. And it sounds like he really wants to be there. There's just a disconnect on how much money they want to pay him, and hopefully they figure that out next All year. All right, we pivot to the Denver Broncos. Fill in the blank. In Coach Nathaniel Hackett's offense, expect Russell Wilson to what? Mm. Run the show unlike we've ever seen him run it before. I think it's the first time really, you know, Seattle was simpleton offense. It was very basic. I think now we're going to see a little bit more of the Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers. Hey, you're going here. You go here. Check this. Check that. Black 58 Lexus. I think you're going to see a little bit more of a, a general here. You know, running the show. What are you laughing at, you jerk? What do you make? What are you giggling I'm about? not. Oh. No, I'm just. I'm saying this is the ultimate yeah. test For let of Russ what cook. Russell has wanted. Yeah. This yeah. is let Russ cook. Right. It's like, hey, Russ, here you go. Here's your spatula. Yeah. Let's see if you can do it. Right. Because he's been agitating to do it for years in Seattle. They tried to do it a couple of years ago. Now this was an offensive coordinator issue because, as you've pointed out, at the time it was happening. Once they got enough film on what they were doing in the let Russ cook. They were able it to. Fell apart. They were able to yeah. turn the, the the frying pan upside down. Right. But <laughs> Russell Wilson has long believed he can be Patrick Mahomes. He can be Josh Allen. He can be Aaron Rodgers. He's just not in an offense that lets him be it. And now he is. And we're going to find out. Yes. And we're going to find out what Seattle can do without him. It's just a great. It, I wish they played a little bit later in the season and not week one, so they both kind of had a chance to, to get, get their, their legs yeah, under them. So yeah. it would be a more representative indication of where they are right because it's too early to really see yeah, teams are finding ha, themselves seattle won that one right or, or oh well russell was right but that's the full season question here yeah is russell vindicated by insisting on becoming the centerpiece of the team or or was pete carroll right all along to say you're not quite ready yeah to be patrick mahomes yeah. and, and he's seen you know he went from being hot young quarterback to, I remember when he started falling in your rankings. It wasn't because he was deteriorating in his skills. Right. It's because all these younger guys were getting There's better. No and that drive him crazy. No doubt about it. I want to have a chance to show that I can be Patrick Mahomes. Right, right. That I can do the things he can do. Yeah. All right. Um, I agree with you that, that we're going to see a very different Russell Wilson, and, and we'll see if it becomes what Russell Wilson has always wanted. Buy or sell, the Chargers' new-look defense will live up to the offseason hype. They've got Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day. You were raving about him yesterday. Mm -hmm. Kyle Van Noy and Bryce Callahan. And they've got holdovers like Joey Bosa and Derwin James. How good do you think they're going to be? Buy or sell, they will live up to this hype. I I'm going to buy this one. I am all the way here. I, I think, you know, to me, that was one of the more disappointing things last year. And I got to think they, they realized that with the fact that you got a defensive head coach, Brandon Staley, and his defense, you know, didn't play up to... His expectations, or especially what they did, you know, in, in years prior when he was with the Rams and some other places. So I got to think there's really a fire under the coaching staff that way. And then with some of these new players, I, I just have a hard time. I mean, they have some young guys who were impressive last year, and then like you said, Derwin James wasn't a hundred percent healthy. You know, Kenneth Murray, the middle linebacker, first round pick for him a few years ago, he had some issues last year. So I think when you add that on top of all these other players that you add in the addition, I expect them to be. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to say a top tenish defense. I am. I think it, it can be up there. Here's my concern. Yeah. My concern is they've had too many injuries in recent years right. for it to be just bad luck. Yeah. And I always keep my eyes out for the teams that seem to be more injured than other teams. Sure. Because at a certain point, it's not just bad luck. At a certain point, it's bad nutrition. It's bad training. It's bad flexibility. Yeah. It's bad something. Bad practice is, habits. Yeah, it is yeah. dysfunction somewhere in the organization that is causing injuries to keep happening. You know, hey, Derwin James is great if he ever is able yeah. to play for a full season. Right. Joey Bose is great, but we can't keep him on the field sometimes. I mean, Kenneth Murray, he's, well, yeah, he's a little banged up. Right. And I understand that the nature of the sport, especially when you're playing defense and you're throwing your body into people, is going to cause you to potentially get injured. But you got other teams where they just get up and they keep going. No doubt. And at some point, it's about what they're doing or not doing to help those guys avoid injury or help those guys recover from injury. And it's not like the Chargers are a crown jewel franchise. I mean, sorry, it's the truth. They're, they're, the, yeah. they're the little brothers to the Rams in L.A., and they're trying to catch up, and they've got Justin Herbert, and that's great. But I, I, I think there's been enough 
injury issues with the Chargers in recent years. And if I'm anywhere in that organization, I'm saying we're commissioning a full study. We're looking at everything we're doing. We're going to bring in a consultant. We're going to figure out that we are – if if this is something that just stuff happens, fine. We're going to find out. Yeah. Is it just bad luck or are we doing something we shouldn't be doing? Yeah, I, I, again, you know, Brandon Staley seems smart. It seems like they got a pretty smart crew out there. I, I would hope they've already evaluated that and made some tweaks there, and especially when he came from a place like the Rams with Sean McVay, who we always praise for having the golden, you know, the Midas touch with this this issue. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, we know the offense is real for them, and and we mentioned you know some of the free agents too, and you know Bryce Callahan's another one, one of the better nickelbacks in football in in, in playing corner. Uh, I, I you know I, that AFC West. When you really talk about it and say it out loud, like we have here with some of these teams, you just it's one of those it's, every game. It's, it's unreal. Every game. It really is. I mean, it's it's as good a division, or at least has as much star power as I can remember any division here in, in recent history. I think at least three of those teams are going to deserve to make it to the playoffs. I hope that they don't cannibalize each other. each other so much right. that a third one doesn't qualify. Yeah, I know. It's funny that the two, the two Wests, NFC and AFC West, I think they're they're both in play to have you know three teams in, in the in the playoffs. All right, let's take a break. Trevor Lawrence will not be playing tonight, but when we return, you will hear from him as he spoke recently with Maria Taylor about how he's grown heading into year two. We'll do that next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. After a tumultuous rookie season, Trevor Lawrence is excited to put that behind him and move on to year two with a new head coach not named Urban Meyer. He sat down with Maria Taylor ahead of the Hall of Fame game tonight. Here's part of their conversation. This point a season ago, what do you feel like you've advanced at the most? Like, what do you feel like you have improved on in this offseason? With the time to yourself, when you did your own training, what was the focus for Trevor Lawrence? I think, well, one, I think my body feels the best it's felt in the last couple years. Um, I think I'm throwing the ball better than I have. And then just the confidence. I think I'm really confident taking care of the ball better. But with that, also, you know, taking chances, still being the same player, but not putting the ball in harm's way. I think that was one of the biggest things I wanted to improve on. Um, and then also just my confidence and my knowledge in the playbook. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm really sharp on that. Obviously, as a rookie, you have so much different information coming at you, and you're trying to learn it all. Um, and it's tough, but I feel really feel like now when I step in the huddle, I know exactly what everybody's doing. We can communicate. We can change something if we need to. And it, when the, the quarterback has to know all that, and it makes everything go. So just knowing all that, I feel a lot more confident stepping in the huddle and then just the leadership aspect, all those things. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence says the Jaguars have a lot to prove this season. What do you expect from Lawrence? It's hard to expect anything from the Jaguars in an AFC that I think has 13 contenders and then the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Jets. But what do you want to see from Trevor Lawrence to at least give you some belief that he's on the right track, yeah. especially after all the crap from last year? Yeah, I, you know, To me, it's just you know, cleaner, cleaner game as far as decision-making. You know, a young quarterback with a big arm, a guy that hangs on the first read too long. You know, we talked about a number of times last year. Remember early on in the year, he kind of just sit in the pocket, didn't know when to step up or move or slide. I think he was, you know, part of the spoiled Clemson way, learning that type of stuff. The talent's real. It's there. I mean, I saw enough to go, I'm not worried about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's there. You know, again, you need some support. You need some protection. You need a run game. You know, you need a coach that's doing the right things around, you know, the, the building to, to make the rest of the team believe and, and win some of these close games or give you some schematical advantages. So, you know, there, there's like this is one where, like Zach Wilson, I don't know. I'm just not worried about them. In my opinion, I saw enough good and the things you need to see to believe, wait, they, this guy's got all the right tools here. Now it's, it's on them to start helping him out a little bit to make him grow. And I think we're going to see that pretty quickly here in the season. One of the things Peter King has said on this program, it was months ago in the offseason, but it related to Trevor Lawrence, Week 18, Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Remember, they come to town. All they got to do is win a game against a horrible franchise, and they get to the playoffs. And for all of the hand-wringing and teeth gnashing that Jim Irsay engaged in after the Colts lost that game. We never really praised the Jaguars. And the phenomenal game. And that was game. Peter's point. Right. Trevor Lawrence in that game, right. that was when he came of age. So you carry that over to this year. And think about it from Lawrence's perspective. It was a lost season. I got to deal with all this dysfunction. Starting 
in September yeah. when the coach doesn't fly back from Ohio to Florida. And I have to answer these questions. And we've got to deal with this. And he witnessed all of it, how Urban Meyer interacted with the players, how he interacted with the assistant coaches. And now you remove that and you bring in a professional staff top to bottom that is getting guys ready. It's got to give him – you combine that with – what he did in week 18, and that's got to give him a hell of a boost. And then you couple that with no expectations whatsoever. I, I still don't know what to think of the Jaguars, yeah. but they're in a good spot for a team that could that, that could be better than anyone expects. I, I don't disagree. know what that means. Yeah. They could be 7 they could be six and, and 11, 10. but in a lot of really close games right. and a pain in the butt and lost some heartbreak. And, I, you know, it's kind of what I think they might be. If you made me do a guesstimation, I'm kind of with you there. I don't expect, you know, 9 and 8 or anything like that. But, I, you know, could I see them being 7 and 10, 6 and 11, and lose some heartbreakers and things like that? To me, that would be a positive season in a lot of ways. It would. And you're right. That Colts game at the end of the year, the Jets game, the third, third to last game of the year, when I went back and did my quarterback rankings and saw some of the plays he made in those games, they were phenomenal. You know, and they were. It showed you what he is capable of. And now he's going to have a coach in Doug Peterson. You know, we talk about this all the time where he's going to go, oh, wait, oh, Oh, wait, so when teams do that, you're supposed to check to this. He's going to have answers. He's going to go, damn, the game is so much easier now. Instead of last year, I just called a play, and I hoped we blocked, and I hoped a guy got open. Now he's going to be taught like, hey, if this defense is this, let's check to this play, and he's gonna, they're going to explain it to him exactly why they're doing it. And that's when you can unleash your physical ability as a quarterback because now you're not worried, thinking, wait, should I change something? Do we have this picked up? And that's when you can really let your talent fly. I don't want to get over my skis here, but yeah. what the hell? I mean, think about what we were saying about the Bengals a year ago. I, yeah, I hear you. I right? know, right. And what was that? Number one overall pick entering his second season with a lot more questions physically than, than Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence has definitely. Now. Yeah. We didn't know what the ACL mm-hmm. was going to do. We, he was hardly playing in the preseason. Jamar Chase is dropping everything that gets thrown his way. We didn't expect anything from the Bengals going into the season. And no. I'm, not saying, yeah. I'm not saying that we should expect the Jaguars right. to make it to the Super Bowl. All I'm saying is let's not forget our most recent experience of looking at a team saying, well, they got a long way to go. Yeah. You look at the Jaguars and say, well, they got a long way to go. We said the same thing about the Bengals. No, I, I know. You know you're know, you right. I mean, I'm not ready to go there and make that proclamation like you're, you're talking about. But the one thing that jumped out, and I should have said this when you said, what am I looking for for him? And, and I forgot to say it because he said it to Maria in the little interview. You know, he, he feels he's throwing the ball better than he ever has before and done that. That was one of the things that in college, and you remember, you know, I made Zach Wilson number one a little bit, where when I broke down him, and even last year, and, you know, my bosses here at NBC have heard me say this, and the throwing was more inconsistent than people realized. You know, it, it was. He was not the machine that way, and I think that showed itself last year, and I hope he's fixed some of those, you know, technique issues, because you've heard me say before, like, right, he could throw 10 out routes, and throw it seven different ways when you watch a game and go, man, this time he stepped over here and threw it. This time he's closed and didn't get to the target and threw it. This one he's fading back and throws it. He's got great talent and he gets away with it all the time. And that's cool. But as we talk about, it's the NFL. And as you crime the ranks and play better teams, that room for error is, error is minute. And you got to be a machine. And that's what the great quarterbacks are. They're machines. And they, there's a day where they go, man, I don't got it today. The rest of the world doesn't even know because they can go, wait, let me just stay to my mechanics. And nobody will even realize, even though I don't feel like I'm playing my best, I'm still painting the corner, throwing strikes. You know? And that's what the Peyton Mannings, the Troy Aikmans, the Tom Brady's do. Even on a bad day, they're throwing for 65% and still hitting a lot of bullseyes. We got Trevor Lawrence, who was the first pick last year. Yeah. Zach Wilson of the Jets, the second pick. Trey Lance, the 49ers' third pick. Yeah. Justin Fields. Oof just on the other side of the top 10, which of those guys makes the biggest jump this year? I think it's one and two is the jump, the big jump. And Trevor and Zach are the guy I, I look at. And again, maybe I'm biased because I love them in my first evaluation, but I, I, you know me, I try not to be and call it for what it is. And what I saw last year, I still think their top end talent is the greatest of the group. Mac Jones, you know, I'm not putting him up there because he, he did pretty damn good last year. I don't know if his jump will be as maybe as extravagant or as big as a Trevor Lawrence or a Zach Wilson. 
Uh, and I got one of my bosses here, Sam Flood, who's a New England fan, and he wants me to boost him up a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I do look at Trevor and Zach. They've given them a support system around them, finally. I think both of them, you look at them and go, oh, they got some weapons to play with here this year. Their line should be better. And then, you know, I, hey, well, maybe I'm a sucker for, you know, throwing and their ability to spin the ball and make special throws. Those two, to me, are special in that department. It's funny, I didn't even mention Mac Jones. In my mind, he wasn't a rookie. He's just the I, it's robot hard to put off the assembly there. line in New <laughs> England that they put out on the field. I know, you know? I know. And, and they are, because the next question is, who's most likely to have a slump? They're really setting him up to take a step back. When you've got Belichick saying he's made dramatic improvements, I mean, Josh McDaniels is gone. You've got a failed head coach who was a special teams coordinator as your quarterback's coach. You've got a failed head coach who was a defense coordinator as your offensive line coach. How are you really going to get more out of Mac Jones this year than you got last year, even yeah. if he has dramatically improved? I just, I'm just i worried they're setting a bar for him that may be too high. I, I, I mean, it's rare to hear them praise like that, but I think he's done enough up there that it's opened their eyes. And I think the next step, like... But why would they even say it, I, I don't know. Either, That's what's weird. Maybe they're just trying to, you know, again, instill some confidence in the team, him himself, you know, and... and, and I, I, that's maybe, I guess, the only thing I can think of. Their fan base just to go, hey, it's it's getting better. We like what we see here. Uh, the, the, we've talked about they love to formulate their team around the general. They are big into that. And I think with him, like, I, I hear you with, you know, maybe setting them up to fail or whatever else. But they seem to have great confidence in him. And I think the big thing that they probably want to see from him more than anything last the, the, compared to last year is just a few more explosive plays, big plays. We talked about that, you know, early on in the year, and then we got a few more as the year went on. But, you know, pushing the ball down the field, making a few power throws. Hey, he is a pretty good athlete and can move around the pocket, buy some time, let some people get open, make some plays like that, make some plays outside the realm of the playbook. I think that's what they're kind of excited about too. One of the realities too, you have a quarterback who's a natural leader in everything that he says and does, or you have to – you have to play a role in it as the coach, and you have to make sure everybody else understands this is our guy. Yeah. And I don't know that Mac Jones is yet at the point where he walks through the door and he's Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and I think they're trying to maybe speak I, I, it into existence. That's what I mean. I think exactly right. I think that's what they're trying to do. And it just being in New England, being around Josh McDaniels, man, did they always you know, pump that thought. And as I've told you, when Brady hurt his knee with the Pollard thing, I went up there. I was going to go up there for a workout. They said, Sorry. We don't want to even cause the confusion here. Matt Castle's our guy. We're sorry. We're really sorry that we brought you up here and wasted your time and all that. And I really respected the decision because to me, that's what you should have done if you were running the organization. As much as I would have loved to have been up there and been a part of it, I wouldn't have been worth a damn because I wasn't healthy, right? And I told a number of teams during that process, like, no, if you need me to play, don't sign me. I turned down big money from the Kansas City Chiefs during that time, but I respect them for that, that they did that. Did they at least like give you a meal or something when you went up there and they told you, sorry, why did we bring you up here? No, well, did they give you anything? You know, uh, yeah, they were okay. I sat in the, I sat, I remember I sitting in a, sitting in an office with like all these tapes at first. And I was just like, man, this place is crazy. And I sat there alone for a while and I figured there was something going on. I was like, what's going on here? And they kept coming in. Hey, we'll be with you in a minute. We'll be in a minute. We'll be in a minute. And then they came in and they were like, Hey, we're sorry. You know, we're, we're sorry. Wow. It was Scott Pioli. But I, I really respected the honesty, and I respected the, wait, we don't want to confuse the situation or have the Boston media the first time Matt Castle has a bad game going, let's put Sims in. Duh, duh, duh. That wouldn't have happened. Uh, you don't think it would have happened? <laughs> it wouldn't have happened now. Back then, they thought, I think they liked me a little more back then. How much you turned down from the Chiefs? I, I'm just kidding. It no. was over. It was. It was. No, you don't have to tell me. Well, no, I, I don't care. You How much are you making now? Well, <laughs> I'm not telling you that. But. <laughs> but I, it was like around $1.5 million, oh, wow. but I, I, I had promised what did Phil say about, well, that? he knew I wasn't ready. There was a few, th- there was a few teams I had told throughout that process. You know, they knew they were going to be released. I had some teams interested in me and trading for me. And I kind of got the word to them. Like, you don't want to trade for me. You meant to make me a backup or a third stringer. That's great. But I need a little bit more time to get healthy here before you want me to like be dependent to help your football team. And, yeah, that was tough, but I, I didn't want to have that in my conscience. And that's why I went to Tennessee ultimately because I knew I was going to have to play and they understood where I was at and they were going to let me kind of work behind the scenes and get back to, you know, as close as I could do healthy. You mentioned time. We are quickly running out well, of time. And the question that we'll address when we return is whether it's time to be seriously concerned about Matthew Stafford's elbow. We'll discuss that next on this Thursday edition of PMT Live. 
Matthew Stafford had an injection in his throwing elbow after the Super Bowl. He didn't throw it all in the offseason program and has already scaled back dramatically his activity at training camp. Here is Coach Sean McVay talking about Stafford's status on Wednesday. This was part of the plan with Matthew. You'll see over the next couple days, um, tomorrow will be similar to what you guys saw last week. He'll really be off the following day in that deloaded day, and then he'll do a little bit of stuff in terms of individual periods. But we're really taking it a week at a time, you know, and really it's kind of a couple weeks. So uh, don't expect him to do anything in these team settings for this block or the next three days next week. Um, nothing has changed, uh, can, you know, consistent with what I had told you guys last week. But this is part of the plan that we feel like is in his best interest. And so uh, it's a great opportunity for John Wofford and Bryce to be able to get a lot more reps than they would otherwise. And you know Matthew's going to stay engaged, and that's the plan that we think is best right now. It's, it's consistent with what's been going on. It's just more of when you really look at the totality of it, Jordan, um, you know, wanted to try to have him operate in as little as pain as possible. I, I think any time that you've played as long and are as tough as he is, um, I don't know if you're ever truly pain-free, but the goal would be for September 8th and really looking towards 17 games and then hopefully some, some games after that if we earn that opportunity. That's kind of the perspective and the big-picture approach that we want to be able to take. I don't know that I would feel as comfortable taking that approach if it wasn't for the experience that he's accumulated and knowing how intentional he is about staying up to speed with his mental um, and his physical work that he can do in the absence of some of the stuff in the team settings. Look, that's Sean McVay, the ultimate glass-half-full head coach. That's fine. But this elbow thing has lingered. Little it's scary. a problem. And now, here we are, week and a half into training camp, no team activities for the foreseeable future for Matthew Stafford. McVay also acknowledged there's a chance this pain issue is going to linger into the regular season. They've tried to, to back off enough so it would just cure itself. It would be gone. And it's not. And now we're back in football setting, and they have to watch how much they use him. He didn't rule out the possibility of no team activities for Matthew Stafford until the week of the Bills game. And I, I, th this has always bothered me from the standpoint of we need to keep an eye on yeah, it. Yeah, you've been and all over And if you're a Rams it. fan, right. you just, it's one of those pasta and meatballs. Yeah, like something's not right here. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's playing out. I hate to be right about it, yeah. but, it's, but it's playing out in front of us. I, I, it is playing out. And it is concerning. And, you know, it is a real issue. You know, Sean, Sean McVay, he's going to continue to, you know, say all the right things, no question. But how, how can it not bother you? I know he's experienced and all that. But, you know, you're coming off the Super Bowl. You just paid him a ton of money. You know, it's hard to repeat as it is, create the same energy, and now your quarterback can't be out there to lead the troops. And, you know, he just talked about how much more comfortable he is in the offense and all that. You know, hey, that's great, but, yeah, you'd like to get the reps and do all of that. And, and, of course, you're going to be put to the test early with Buffalo. So I'm, I am a little concerned. I, I am a little bit with, with uh, Stafford. And, you know, I, I hope they're – you know, again, I, this is one of those where I don't think rest is going to just totally do it. I, I just my experience with this injury is there's usually something else that's causing it. And I hope they can find the right people to kind of get them the right answers here and get him back on the field because I want to see them make a run here. They definitely have the incentive. It's amazing, yeah. though. And you talk about this all the time, how some of the methods of some of the teams aren't quite medieval. No. But they aren't quite up to the cutting-edge no. technology. No, that's why a lot of players, when you, know, you hear fans go, why do these guys go to these guys? They got the best doctors available. No, they, they don't always have the best doctors available, as you, just, you described earlier. Sometimes it's baked in with a contract through you know, a hospital or whatever. And, yes, it's not always the most cutting-edge technologies. The people that are the best at that and are cutting-edge technologies, they don't want to go work for a football team and, and work 20 hours a day. Instead, they go, you know, I'll make my own private practice and charge guys $600 an hour to come here and I'll fix them and I'll make a lot more money and I won't have a coach yelling at me and be insane my whole life. So that's what the top people in that market do and hopefully they can you know, find some of those people. The Jacksonville Jaguars brought to you by official team doctor Nick Riviera. Um, but uh, not quite that bad yet <laughs> for the Rams. All right, let's take a break. We're going to do a draft of the new head coaches with the most approved this season when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, let's get right to it. We've been talking too much today, so we don't have a lot of time left. Our draft of the new head coaches with the most approved. There are 10 new head coaches as we enter the 2022 season. Chris, who's your first pick off that list? I'm going to go Josh McDaniels to start it off. I mean, we know he's the man offensively and one of the best offensive coordinators we've ever seen in the league. But do we know he can be a head coach? 
And, you know, again, there's a lot of doubters out there. And, and a lot of that is, you know, some of the things you explain, the, you know, the way it unfolded with the Indianapolis Colts, the way it went down the first time when he was a head coach with the Denver Broncos. So to me, he's just got a lot of proof in the fact that he, he deserves this. He, he, and he's worthy of this and he can be really good at it. And I, so I, I think there's, you know, a, a lot of questions about him in that way as far as uh, can, he, can he lead the whole football team. My first pick is Todd Bowles, yeah. the guy who was, was the last to get the job mm-hmm. because everything's set up for exactly. him. Exactly. Hand-picked successor right. to Bruce Arians. We've talked about how with Bruce Arians, he never really was the guy we talked about on a Monday that made some stupid mistake that blew his team's chance to win. He was always between the buoys and very consistent, like a long snapper. You only mention a long snapper when the ball goes over the punter's head. He was never that coach that put the ball over the punter's head. And now Todd Bowles steps into that job with that backstory that we're all well, not all aware of, and there are plenty of people who don't want to be aware of it, but the Brady retirement, and then Brady comes back, and then Arians is gone 17 days later, and folks like us know that there was a little, you know, Tom will come back if we make a change here, and even though he didn't come out and say it directly, it kind of fell together that way. There's a lot of pressure on Bowles to deliver the kind of year that the Buccaneers expect, and they think they can just pop out Arians and put in Bowles, and yeah. off they go. I would, that would have been my that, – that's who I debated with, with the first pick because you're right. There's, there's expectations there. And then he never led the Jets to the playoffs. And, you know, I know he had a year that were 10-6, and six and they were very close and did some good things there. But, yeah, you're being handed a team that – Without question, is one of the most talented teams in football, and we want to see, can you improve it? Are you going to fall down? So I'm with you there. All right, my next one, I'm, I'm going to go with, an, uh, I guess I like the mix over here. I'm going to go Mike McDaniel. I am. I think there's a lot to prove there. One, he's questioned about, you know, can this type of person uh, really, you know, lead a football team? He's a little quirky, and he's really smart and cerebral and all of that. So he's not your typical, you know, macho head football coach. So there's, there's that as far as proving that. And then, of course, he's been under the shadow of Kyle Shanahan. We know he helped out. Kyle Shanahan loves him and all that, but he didn't have to call plays. That's Shanahan. So he's got a lot to prove that, you know, hey, his style can can lead a football team and that he can call plays and come up with game plans that's uh, worthy to get Tua and some of these weapons, you know, balling out and, and having big days. And you've got the same dynamic with, with him. With the team. You have with Tua. You're exactly. you've got, oh, yeah, he was the second too. choice. You're right. I mean, they wanted Sean Payton. He was right. ready to go. And, You're oh, right. we'll go get Mike McDaniel instead. Yeah. And Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, raised the possibility. Now, this was before everything hit the fan yeah. this week about maybe Peyton and Brady next year, too. So the questions aren't going to go away until McDaniel proves himself in Miami. I agree with you on that one. That would have been my next one. I'll go Nathaniel Hackett with my second pick just because of the circumstance. Russell Wilson, yeah. team looks good. Right. And the Broncos fan base is re-energized, and the expectations are there. They've had no expectations for half a decade. And now, all of a sudden, here we are with a team that's pretty good. And here's the th- Here's the thing. If it doesn't work for Russell Wilson, are we going to be saying we generally it's because of Russell Wilson yeah, right. or it's because of the coaches who are yeah. not using Russell Wilson the right way? Let's take a break. We'll do round three of our draft. The coaches with the most approved this year. New coaches, that is, when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, there are the first two rounds of the new coaches with the most to prove in 2022. We move on to round three. Chris, you are on the clock, and it is ticking fast. All right, tick, tick, tick. I'm going to go with Dennis Allen. Uh, Dennis Allen, I mean, I, I guess it's a little bit, you know, we, we've hit this topic a little bit, but the, the team's there. It's good. I mean, we, we know it. We look at them and go, oh, the reason they didn't draft a quarterback is because they think they can make some noise in the NFC. And we've seen that, and they were close last year in the first year without Drew Brees, and, you know, Jameis Winston should be a year better. They have certainly better weapons on offense. We know the defense is real. It's a little bit like, you know, Josh McDaniel in the way where it didn't go great for Dennis Allen in his first run, you know, out in the the Oakland Raiders. You know, now can, can he, you know, take a team and continue to keep them where they're at or even better as he takes over the reins from Sean Payton? Sunday night last year, nine nothing. Yeah, I know that Shut was out impressive. The Bucks yeah. while he was stepping in for Sean Payton, who was on the COVID reserve list. I'll go Kevin O'Connell just because there's no one else who really stands out, and because he comes to Minnesota yeah. with Justin Jefferson, who already is talking about 2,000 
yards receiving as the Cooper Cup in that offense, trying to get more out of Kirk Cousins. And O'Connell's got the relationship from Cousins dating back to their time in Washington. Yep. Not a lot of overhaul of the offense. And, and even though it's, it's not pressure, the expectations aren't high, there's just this, hey, you're the latest hot right the offense should from, be good here you're from the right. rams and here we go and right. there's plenty of, we've had a good offense with a defensive head coach who couldn't keep an offensive coordinator they i think there's an expectation I the offense you. is going to be a lot better we don't know what the defense is going to be but there's an, an expectation the offense will be better yeah I, I think you're right you know you talk about the two receivers people are going to think about that you got dalvin cook at running back kirk cousins i think is yes a guy that you know, fits Kevin O'Connell and what he wants to do on that side of the you know the ball there. So uh, I'm with you there. I, I think he might have been my next pick either. You know, out of the guys we had left, I mean, yeah, Lovey Smith, Eberflus, uh, you know, Brian Dayball, Doug, Doug Peterson. Peterson. I think I'm with you. I would have gone Kevin O'Connell too. Yeah, and for the last four, I there really isn't any pressure. They're with teams that aren't expected, expected to be much, to right? To be much, right? So. That, that's how Coach of the Year never goes to Bill Belichick because Coach of the Year is determined by the loose expectations that a team has at the season beginning and where they are at the season end. And when you are a Bill Belichick and you're always expected to be up here, you never have that delta of what we thought we were going to get and what we got. And that's what delivers Coach of the Year. And that's why one of these 10 guys has a chance to do it, if they, especially the guys who have no expectations. Yeah. If they end up getting to the playoffs somehow, yeah. then they're coach of the year. Yeah, exactly. like Matt Nagy was in Chicago a few years right, ago. Right, right. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, you know, and again, I mean, I think, you know, Belichick probably should have got a little more credit for what he did with that team last year and getting them back in the playoffs just, you know, uh, two years after Tom Brady left with a rookie quarterback. That was pretty special. But, yeah, it does seem like it's set up that way. And uh, we'll see. Not, you know, ten new head coaches. So we got a lot of uh, evaluating to do and see if they can make their mark on their franchises. And we are out of time. We'll be on NBC tonight, 7 o'clock, and Peacock, by the way, for the pregame show for Raiders Jaguars. And tomorrow, this knucklehead won't be here. Yeah. But I will be with our new carpet that isn't new. See ya. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.